Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We're starting a brand new series this morning called Sever Anxiety. Anxiety is at all-time high in our nation, in our state, in our, you know, the Brazos uh, Valley. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And so we need to talk about it. And as I'm going to share with you this morning, this is a real personal and uh, uh, kind of a personal issue for Leslie and I that we've had to work through, so I'm going to share more of that as we get into it. But for you personally, many of you here, you have had probably are, have an ongoing struggle with some anxiety or the root causes of just fear and worry and stress, and it's just gotten the best of you at times. Or you've got somebody in your life that you love, that you care about that struggles with anxiety, and maybe what we're going to be sharing could be a huge uh, lifeline to them that could make all the difference in the world. But what I want to do, I was just going to tell you up front, my goal throughout this next couple of weeks is to be able to give you some tools from the teaching of Jesus that will help you to win this battle on the spiritual front, okay? We're going to talk about the spiritual aspect of this battle. Now, this is not to take the place of all of the physiological stuff that are going on in our body that can cause anxiety and depression and stress and all of these kinds of things, you need to, all of us need to, I do, we all need to make sure we're taking care of our body, trying to eat right, trying to get enough sleep, trying to get some exercise. I know some of you are going, I don't know when the last time I got enough sleep was. It was before the kids for sure. It's been a while, right? But we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Your body is a gift. Therefore, how you treat it is a stewardship. We don't own this body. We are stewards of it. God does. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's how it works. That's how the New Testament talks about our body. And so it's important for us to talk about it and think about it in these terms. Now, let me just say up front here, I know for some people, the anxiety response in our body sometimes is a result of having biochemical levels that are off within us. I'm certainly no doctor, but we understand that sometimes, at least for a period of time, those things have to be addressed medically to find somebody that you trust, a doctor, somebody that can help you to be able to handle that for a period of time. Now, but let me just say this about the medical approach to anxiety. It will never, let me say it again, it will never address the spiritual issue inside every single one of our hearts that's going on when we, exce- when we are excessive with our uh, worry, our stress, with our anxiety in our life, our fear in our life. It will never deal with that. As a matter of fact, um, that's what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks. And this is a very personal thing for Leslie and I. Um, it's something that my wife has had to, in particular, I may have had little bouts with it at times, but Leslie has really had to work hard in her life. And this has been an ongoing battle, and I've gotten her permission to share about it today. But 
it was probably at an all-time high, probably 12 to 18 months worth of just severe panic attacks going on back in about uh, 2010. And she uh, would have these almost every day. And if you're not familiar with a panic attack, let me just describe one to you. Because some of you here have them often. You have experienced them often. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's just almost an irrational response to the circumstances going on. Your heart will start to race all of a sudden, like severe nauseousness sometimes. There is, she would get pain in her neck, like where her carotid artery was. She would get lightheaded. She couldn't catch her breath. It was just crazy. She would get tightness all across her chest, and her arm would go numb, and her hand would go numb. It was like she was having a heart attack. I'd be like, babe, are you having a heart attack? And she's like, I don't know. And, and this may sound like an incredible overreaction to what was happening, unless you've ever experienced it. As a matter of fact, if you think it's an overreaction, let me share with you what the doctors and their research at the Anxiety and Depression Association of America stated, and I'm going to just read you a direct quote, panic attacks and heart attacks can feel frighteningly similar. If you're having these type of symptoms, it's very important to get a thorough medical evaluation. Make sure you don't have an actual medical condition. So that is what Leslie and I did. We took her in. She got all kinds of tests that were run, and they ascertained that you're having a panic attack, not a heart attack. So that was a great relief, but now we got to deal with this. Like, what do we do about it? And, and I over these next couple of weeks, I want to share with you some things that Leslie has done. She has done an amazing work in her life. Let me just say, first of all, every day she gets out of the bed, every day this is a fight. Every day it is a battle. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Every day, every day. But I will brag on my wife that over the last decade, she has had and maintained incredible victory in this area where it may still come against her at times, but it doesn't rule her life. It doesn't take over the day like it used to. It's incredible. And what she did, you can do. What she learned, you can learn. It's things from God's Word. It's, it's simple steps, and I'm going to share them with you today. It's powerful how it can change everything. But today I want us to take a look at where Jesus teaches about what is the core issue going on here. What is it that's causing this anxiety? Where is it coming from? And it really comes in the form of a command. And I'm going to share with you this command that Jesus gave that you're going to want to keep. I'm going to want to keep, but you're also going to wonder, wonder how you're going to be able to keep it. But if you are willing to commit to keep this command, it will make a complete difference in your life. It is absolutely life-changing. And here's the command. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, Will, honestly, is that even possible? Like, is that even something we could actually do? And Jesus would say, yes, it is. Come and follow me, and I'll show you how. Jesus said this over and over and over. This was one of his most famous, most popular commands he ever gave. He gave this 121 times on 21 different occasions in the four Gospels alone. 
over and over and over. You know why? Because Jesus understood something about us that we don't know or we forget or we've never really come to the conclusion about, and that is this, that fear is the most effective weapon that our enemy Satan has in this world against us. Fear is what he will use to manipulate our minds, our emotions, and our behavior more than anything else. He knows that for many of us in this room, your biggest struggle in this life will be fear. You will constantly fight against being afraid of something, always. And fear has a way of freezing up our faith and causing us to fixate on the what-ifs. What if I get fired? What if we lose all our money? What if something happens to the kids? What if something happens to my spouse? What if, what if, what if? And we can drive ourselves crazy with the hypothetical what ifs. And we're going to get more into that in a minute. But it's so important for us to begin to take a step back. And here's what Jesus was constantly trying to get people to consider. Imagine for a moment life without fear. Imagine for just a moment, I know it sounds crazy, but just go with me on this. Imagine living fearlessly, not having fear. Imagine what that might be like. Now, Jesus' first century followers thought it was as impossible as we do today until one historical event took place, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at that today. It's so powerful. And what I want to teach you today, what I want to share with you today, is how to not be afraid, even when bad things happen, even when there's something to be afraid of. Because most of us are not afraid because there's nothing to be afraid of. We're afraid because there's something very real, very legitimate to be afraid of. That's why we're afraid. And Jesus is going to address how do you deal with those situations, those kinds of circumstances. It's so incredibly important to think about and talk about this. So here, as we get started, Jesus is going to invite all of us today on a little boat ride with him. Are you ready? You want to get on the boat with Jesus and the disciples? That's what we're going to do today. Let me set up the situation. It's over in Matthew chapter 8, and right before they get on this boat, Jesus has come to this little fishing village called Capernaum. Up, if you could look at the, the larger Sea of Galilee, up in the northwest corner of the this body of water was this little fishing village called Capernaum. It was where Peter's hometown was. Jesus spent a lot of time there. He was teaching. He had just healed, I mean, loads of people. And now he wants to pull back and spend some time just with his disciples. And that's what he's getting ready to do. And so he's going to get them all in the boat, and he's going to teach them something. Keep looking at this circumstance, this situation, as an opportunity that Jesus is going to leverage to teach them about fear and how to handle it when you come face to face with it. Let's take a look together at Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 23. It says, Then he got onto the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Now, that may seem like, wow, that happened all of a sudden. Actually, this is something I discovered this week, just reading commentary and historical context for this particular passage, is that the Sea of Galilee, and some of you might know this, is about 13 miles long and about 7 miles wide, but the shoreline is 680 feet below sea level. 
It's surrounded, flanked, at least on, on partial sides by mountains where um, the uh, weather patterns can come over those mountains really quickly and create storms down on that water so, um, so uh, kind of fierce that it will create up to 20-foot waves on average. Crazy. I mean, almost as tall as this, this auditorium is. Incredible. Can you imagine being on a little fishing boat, open-topped, and a 20-foot wave is coming your way? You might get a little freaked out. They did too, Okay. But I want to show you, in the middle of all this maelstrom that's going on, here's what Jesus is doing. Check it out right here. But Jesus was sleeping, not anxious a bit, like the opposite, completely. He's sleeping. The disciples went and woke him and said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus replied, now let me just say real quick, these are fishermen. This is what they do for a living. Like, they probably had buddies that have drowned out there. Like, this is an illegitimate fear, all right? This is absolutely based on facts. They were going to drown. He replied, and if you would, let's read these highlighted words together. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Wow. They immediately freaked out. Okay, here's what the next part says. Let's take a look at the next part. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? The only answer for that is absolutely super, divine, crazy, over the top, not average. He's got power over the circumstances that we're scared to death of. Like, that's the answer. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the part of our circumstances got us scared to death. He has power. Did you see he just exercised power over this? And what's interesting is you read the kind of contextual um, um, commentary about this passage. Matthew is showing us something beautiful in the way he's storytelling here. He's showing us that these men, their secondary response emotionally to Jesus' miracle is greater than their initial response to the storm. In other words, they were a little bit scared of the storm or, or quite a bit scared of the storm. But this word amazed here, as you break it down, literally means terror mixed with amazement. They're like, oh my gosh, over the top, terror mixed with amazement. Their emotional response is greater than it was to the storm, which was Jesus' point. Why are you so afraid is the question he asked them. Why are you so afraid? In other words, I know there's a storm going on, but I am here. Do you even know who's on the boat with you? Do you have an inkling of an understanding of the power that I have? You see, when Jesus did the miracle, it wasn't just a show off, let me show you how powerful I am. It was to reveal his identity. I am the son of the living God, and I'm right here with you. You don't have to be afraid of this kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean that having Jesus is your good luck charm and it's always going to make all the circumstances work out in your favor every single time. No, sometimes the storms don't go away right away. Sometimes they linger. But Jesus will stay. He will always stay. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be with you. And this was a lesson that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He's trying to teach us today. But what's interesting is that there was a chapter 2 on this particular 
test that Jesus gave them. Six chapters later, Matthew 14, again, let me give you a little context. He's about to give another boat test, okay? We're about to get out on the lake, and we're going to have another test. But before he does this, he does this famous miracle that you've probably heard of before, the feeding of the 5,000. He feeds 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. Jesus demonstrating, if not there, more than any place else, I am not confined and restricted by your circumstances. Like, I can do so much more than you think I can do with what you're going through right now. If you'll just surrender it to me, you'll give me what you got. That's what he said, Come bring me what you have. He blessed it. They started distributing it, and a miracle happened. It was incredible. So he shows them once again, I am the Lord of your circumstance. I'm above it. Okay, and this time he sends them out on the boat again, but this time he didn't go with them, at least not right away. He sent them out by themselves. Did you learn the lesson, guys? Okay, and in Matthew chapter 14, starting with verse 22, here's what we're told. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. What crowd? The crowd he just fed, right? After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Let me just say, parenthetically, as a side note here, if Jesus carves out time at the end of a long, busy day to be alone with the Father, how much more do we need to carve out time daily to be alone with the Father? How powerful is that? And let me just tell you, this was not a short, quiet time, okay? Jesus was with the Father for quite a while, as we're going to see in just a minute. The verse goes on to tell us, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, whoo, that was a long, quiet time, I'm telling you. Jesus had been up there all night long, right? And these guys had been down in the storm much, much longer than they were the first time. He's trying to teach them. I'm not going to take away the storm right away. I want you to learn the lesson in the middle of the storm, okay? So what was that lesson? Before dawn, Jesus went down, went out to them, walking on the lake, okay? Now, for some of you, you've heard this story multiple times. Some of you, this might be the first time you've ever heard it, but Jesus literally walked on the water. Imagine that for just a minute. You're out in the middle of a lake, not a calm lake, one in a storm's going on, and it's dark, and here comes somebody walking towards you. You're trying to figure out what is going on right here. Unbelievable. You would probably freak out a little bit, but not these guys. They're super spiritual. Let me show you what they did. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, not the Son of God, a ghost. Isn't that funny? Like, I guess it was close to Halloween. I don't know, but it's a ghost. I can't believe they said that. They said and cried out in, let's say it together, in fear. But Jesus immediately, you see his compassion, immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Three awesome statements. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You see, in both situations, both scenarios, both boat tests, here's what happens. The initial fear, initially it comes from their circumstance, from the wind and the waves, everything going on around them. They're freaking out. And Jesus was trying to help them to understand that fear 
freezes our faith and it turns our what-ifs into certainties in our mind. No longer are they what-ifs. All of a sudden it's like, no, this is going to end badly. There's no way God can save this. He either won't or he can't. I'm just going to rush to that assumption. There is no hope here. There is no way. And we move, we take those what-ifs. It freezes up our faith. It seizes it up. And we just rush to this conclusion. But Jesus was trying to teach them, stop focusing on your circumstance, your wind and your wave. Start focusing on me. Let your awe and amazement shift from, oh my gosh, this is such a huge circumstance, such a huge storm. How am I ever going to be and get it through this? It's insurmountable. And move that awe and amazement over to the God of your circumstances. You know what David teaches us in the Old Testament is to come together, let us magnify the Lord together. You see, whatever we focus on as human beings, we magnify it. You focus on your wind and wave, your circumstances, you'll make it bigger and bigger. It'll get so big, you'll think, there's no way. There's no way God can even fix this. This is so huge. But the beautiful thing about pausing and magnifying the Lord, focusing on Him, you can never make Him too big. You can never overinflate Him. He's God. Isn't that beautiful? You can't ever worship Him too much. You can't ever uh, extol Him, lift Him up. You can't ever praise Him too much. He, he can't be overinflated. But this is what Jesus was teaching them. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Even when horrible, bad, dark times are upon you. This is not made-up fear, ladies and gentlemen. This is absolutely factual, founded in reality fear. You're afraid. Jesus addressed it right on that level. He's not trying to say, I'm your good luck charm. You just keep me close by and I'll fix everything. It'll all be rainbows and bunnies, right? That's not how it works. He's just saying, whatever you go through, the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil because I am with you. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I'm right here. And what's beautiful about this is that and I think I find this really encouraging that the disciples continued to struggle with fear right down through the last days of Jesus' ministry, all the way to the end. The night that Jesus was arrested before his trial and crucifixion, right after he was arrested, what did the disciples do? They ran and hid, they denied him, they lied about ever knowing him. Totally fear acts, right? Completely. Well, what made the difference? Because they, these men had radical shifts in their life. What was it? Was it another boat ride? No. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they saw their Lord come back from the dead, like they can't keep him down. We watched him crucified. We saw him. We saw him put in the grave. And he's up walking around. You see, when death was defeated, there was nothing left to fear. When his followers stopped being afraid of death, they stopped being afraid. And guess what? We can too. We can too. It's powerful to say, you know what? God's got us. He's going to take care of us. 
right down to the last moment of this life, and we're going to continue to look to Him, trust Him, rely on Him, rely on His Word, pull close to Him, because He is trustworthy. Take courage. It is I. You don't have to be afraid. You see, their decision no longer to lo- no longer be afraid, it changed the world. It changed the world. It created the greatest movement in human history, the Christian movement. It, it is amazing to see all that has happened globally because of the courageous decision of a few that were saying, we're not going to be afraid anymore. <laughs> we're going to stop living like that. We're going to live the way Jesus taught us to. And you don't have to be afraid even when there's something afraid of. That's to be afraid of. That's what Jesus taught them. And I want to share with you a little bit more from the testimony of my wife during that year that she was going through this anxiety. I had her share, just write it out for me so I could share it with you today because I feel like it's just a beautiful Testimony of God's power, and hopefully this is an encouragement to some of you that are right in the middle of it. But here's what she put. She said, the Lord walked with me through that year, and I realized how dependent on and how close with Him I have to be to even make it through one day. The key thing that I did consistently was spend time reading my Bible and getting to know the Lord better. Because the closer I was with Him, the more I was confident that I could trust Him. I want you to see the correlation between the time that she spent in the Word of God with the Lord, she felt closer to the Lord, and she was able to trust the Lord more. You don't get to the last one without the first two. Time spent with Him in His Word, you feel closer with God, therefore you start to trust Him more. Fear comes when we don't feel like we can trust God anymore. And she, it was amazing to see this transformation going on in her heart. Also, this time of resting and focusing on His love and the hope that I have in Him was good for my body and my mind. I would talk to Him throughout the day, focusing my mind on thanking Him when I would start to worry or have an anxious response to a situation I quickly asked him for help, for strength, for wisdom, and perspective, and focused on what I know to be true rather than the what-ifs in my head. Do you see that conscious effort she did to say, I'm not going to look at the wind and the waves anymore. I'm going to shift my focus over to the God of my circumstance, the God of the wind and the wave. I'm going to let him be the focus of my life, and I'm going to look to his word, his truth, and I'm going to replace the lies with the truth. We're going to talk more about this next week. So powerful. And she says, along with this, I did a few other practical tips that I want to share in hopes that they will help you as much as they helped me. And I want to just share with you a few of Leslie's uh, practical tips that really helped her. Now, again, these are things that she read probably, I would say, a half dozen to ten books Uh, by spiritual leaders and just experts in the field of anxiety and depression and stress management, all this. She pulled some things that really worked for her. I want to share them with you because they might be a lifeline to somebody in here or somebody that you know and love. Here's the first one that she did. These are just super practical. Again, eliminate and reduce anxiety trigger foods like caffeine, fried foods, sugar, and alcohol. I know for some of you are going, oh no, I'm not going to have fun anymore. Okay, Number two, 
regular exercise. I mean multiple, multiple studies. I just saw another one just months ago in Psychology Today that talked about another study that had come out that talks about, that, that showed that if you would just work out 30 to 40 minutes a day, three times a week, that you would have the same incredible effect in your body as most anxiety medications. Isn't that amazing, remarkable, What God, how He created this body, that it can be addressed that way. Number three is that when you start to feel anxious and have an anxious response, breathe. Breathe in through your nose for five seconds. Hold it for five seconds. And then breathe out through your mouth for five seconds. Do it several times. This will slow your heart rate. This will help you to get back under control. By the way, if some of you are trying to write these down, you can't get them all written down, we're going to post this online as usual. You can play it back, and when you see me pick up the paper, you can stop it right there and write them all down. Okay, so uh, that will be helpful, hopefully, to you. Number four, take magnesium before bed. Let me just say this. Magnesium is just a regular supplement. It's in most vitamins, that kind of thing. You may want to check with a, your doctor or something before you take it. Don't, certainly don't take more than recommended dosage, but here's what she learned. Magnesium has a calming effect on the body and the nervous system. It helps relax nerves, tense muscles, and helps you to fall asleep at night. Most people are deficient in magnesium, and this can aggravate anxiety and tension. Again, Put it in your context and make it work for you. Number five, and I think this was the most powerful one that she used over and over and over, memorize a few scriptures that speak to your exact worry and fear. Remind yourself of God's love and care for you. Replace those old thoughts with God's truth, really focusing on the words and taking them to heart, really meditating on the word of God. What is it really saying? What does that really look like if I were to live this out, if I really hold on to that? How does that look in my context? This is especially helpful if you have trouble falling asleep at night. And next week, Leslie and I are going to work on it this week and put a series of verses together that will address some of the most common anxieties and fears that you face and to be able to make those available for you to be able to have, at least just kind of get you started. If this is something new that you've never really done before, I want to get you a place where you can begin this process of putting God's Word into your life. So I just want to ask a couple of questions as we get ready to close up, and that is this. What are you afraid of today? Where are you anxious, feeling fearful and stressed out in your life right now? Where have you fixated your fears on the what-ifs? Another way to ask it is, what area of your life is there a storm brewing right now? You know it's a storm brewing because you can feel the anxiousness, you can feel the stress, you can feel the worry beginning to build inside your heart. It's an area where you're saying, I don't know, maybe he won't work, maybe he can't work, I don't know if God can actually do anything with this. And I just want to encourage you today that you would just not be afraid and to lean on Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. Even when there's something to be afraid of, even when bad things are happening, to trust in Him because He is here. I hope that you will remember today that Jesus' most repeated command, do not be afraid. I am with you. He's with you too. You need to ask him for his help. 
Invite him into your life. You can begin a relationship with him right now, right here. And I want to invite you to do that in our prayer in just a moment. But in our salvation prayer, or in our, pardon me, in our application prayer today, I just want to ask you if you would pray with me, simply asking, Jesus, I'm asking you to help me to take courage and not be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. For you are with me. And for some of you, he doesn't feel like he is with you because you have walked away from him. You have abandoned your faith or you have never embraced faith. And today is the day that you can begin that relationship with him. That some of you here, your soul longs for this kind of freedom, this kind of fearlessness. You have never had it before, but it longs for it like somebody who is suffocating, someone who is going under, someone who is longing for water. Your soul is thirsting for this. It is drowning in worries and fears and anxieties. And today is the day when it can all turn around. If you will follow the path that the Son of God has laid out, Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.